Amen? Hey, let's give our team a hand and just thank them. Um, It is so good to be a part of what God is doing here in this new year as we seek first. And uh, I just want to highlight the reality that in so many ways, we are blessed beyond belief. Uh, Today, I get to talk about uh, what does it mean to be alive and growing, and, and I just want you to know whether you're online or in person, you just experienced an intern program that's working. Our worship leader today that was leading is one of our interns, April, and in addition, or I'm sorry, Ava, and in addition to that, in the booth, our tech director today is an intern named April. Can we give them a hand? So exciting to see what God is doing in this generation and to know that he's working, he's moving, And things are alive and growing. The light is on behind me, meaning we had someone come to faith this week. And uh, I know of at least one story of somebody coming to faith where it was a father who, with one of our pastors, was able to lead their son to Christ this last week. God is moving in our church in some really cool ways. And we are alive and growing, and we want to play for you a little clip, it's 30 seconds, that gives you a glimpse into a ministry that is alive and growing that often you don't get to see if you're online or in person, and that's Pathway Kids. And there is an opportunity there for us as the ministry is alive and growing to plug in and be involved. So check out and let's look at what God's been doing over the last few weeks in Pathway Kids. great picture there. So cool to see that kids chapel full and vibrant. That's at our nine o'clock. We have two services offering Pathway Kids, nine and 11, and uh, they would love your help. I know specifically fourth and fifth grade is a need for volunteers and believe it or not to hold babies. Uh, And so if that's you and you want to get involved or you're wondering what else could you do to help, uh, pathwayvb.com slash volunteer. And church, here's what I believe. Um, We're never going to say out of desperation, hey, uh, we're desperate for you. We're not going to do that. We're going to tell you what God's doing and invite you to pray about being a part of it. Because in the kingdom of God, when God is moving, that's an opportunity. That's an opportunity. And I believe that because God is with us and the church is alive and growing, you will hear opportunities regularly around here to plug in and to serve and to be a part of what God is doing. I say often, we do not come to church just to spectate, we come to participate, amen? And so we'd love for you to be a part of that. Now today, as we look at this idea of alive and growing, there's been a uh, 10-year challenge that's been on social media over the last um, 30 days or so. People looking at, you know, 10 years ago, this was me, and, you know, here's what I look like today. And so I I thought I'd do that for you, and uh, it's a little bit painful. Here's my 10-year challenge picture. And uh, as you look there, uh, I feel like, man, 10 years has actually been a little bit better for me. Um, I don't look the best there on the left 10 years ago. Um, In fact, I looked at that picture. That's me at a baptism service uh, sharing, and we're getting ready to baptize some people. And, and, uh, you know, I look like I need a nap, like pray pray for him, you know, like 
nap, some sun, and maybe a little less food, if we're honest. Um, and uh, so there's me on the right a couple of weeks ago. And, and there's so much that happens in a 10-year period, isn't there? there? There's so much growth and maturity, hopefully, that's happening. You know, on the left, I was alive and growing at that time. But what God has done over the last 10 years is absolutely incredible. And in that space has been Jesus, but has also been community, people that I, that I love and trust that help shape and sharpen who I am. That, that included pastors and mentors. That included friends and brothers and sisters. It included our men's group in Michigan. It included people that took the time to invest in me and to help me grow to that next level. Because growth happens when we have good teaching, good instruction, and we have people around us. And, and that's our heart and my hope is that your 10-year challenge picture 10 years from now, you will look back and not just get caught up in physically what you see, but that you'll actually see, wow, look at what God has done in and through and around me. N.T. Wright, a theologian and commentator, uh, says this about maturity and growth. He says, it is possible to be in Christ and be immature. Uh-oh. To be in Christ and to be immature. Not understanding fully what it means, not grasping the new possibilities and responsibilities set before us. The road to maturity is through teaching and instruction. And as we go to God's word today, that's what we're going there for. But it's not just in this moment. It's what are you going to do during the week? How are you going to get people around you? They're going to help you move from alive to growing. That this is something God has for each of us. That he wants us to mature and bear fruit and make a difference in our world. Anybody else want to make a difference in the world? Anybody else realize that the world needs someone to make a difference? I mean, come on, church. And, and this, as we move to Colossians 2, you can turn there with me is in a lot of ways what the Apostle Paul, the writer, is going to put in front of us. Just as they lived in a very real world that was often warring against their growth, that was often trying to take them from people that were alive to, to oppressing and holding them down and causing them to feel dead again, ashamed again. Here's Paul writing into that to say, listen, when you find out who Jesus is, when you really understand what he has for you, you really will walk into a new reality. You will be alive. You will be growing. Can you just say that with me? Alive and growing. That's my hope for each of us today. Colossians 2, verse 6 and 7. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. If you're taking notes, to be a Christ follower, a Christian, is to be alive and growing. What he's describing here isn't something that's optional. It, it's actually a reality, that, that, that this is who we are to be as a Christian. And I use the term Christ follower because there's a difference between what we understand in modern vernacular of what a Christian is. We can label somebody a, a Christian that might not actually be following Jesus. Somebody who actually has the belief system of who Jesus is, but maybe has turned off 
their desire to follow Jesus and to obey Jesus. Church, that would have been completely foreign to the early church. They, they in fact, didn't set out to be Christians. They actually set out to be Christ followers. They, they actually were following Jesus in such a way that people called them followers of the way. And that's where the name Christian came from. Because they were following Jesus. Now, as Paul is writing this, he says, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. And for that time period, you, you would have had people affected uh, significantly by Jewish thought. And in Jewish thought, there was actually this reality of the word walk also had implications for our ethics. <laughs> we don't like to talk about ethics, do we? You, you see, they would understand when he says, so walk, so f follow Jesus, that how you live during the week, your ethic is actually meant to be aligned and correspond to who your Lord is. It brings a little bit of a conviction when we realize that, that maybe we're alive and growing, but there's things during the week happening that aren't connected. And when we're in a period of seek first, that's what we're doing, right? We're saying, God, we're going to put you first, and we want everything else to be pruned, to be decluttered, to fall away so that my walk and my talk match. Y'all are here, right? You, you, you chose to get up and shower. I made an assumption there, right? <laughs> Let's get the most out of this today. Amen? Verse 7, he says you're rooted. And in the Greek, this, this is a uh, perfect participle, meaning that you've already been given it. It's part of your identity. You're rooted. And, and we, as we look at what it means to be rooted, it means that in any and every season, we're actually rooted in Christ like a tree that's going to bear fruit no matter what's going on around us. To be rooted means that even in a hard season or even in a good season, you're going to bear fruit. And as he's using this uh, analogy, there's other places in Scripture where we see this. Psalm chapter 1, uh, verse 1 through 3, let me just read it to you. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight, say delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. It, you can almost picture like what we used to delight in, what we used to feed on, what we used to fill ourselves with changes when we're rooted in Christ. So we're delighting on the law, which is God's word, we're meditating on it. It says then, here's the result, he is like a tree planted by streams of water, that yields its fruits in, in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. So, no matter what's going on in our country, no matter what's going on in our community, no matter the challenges we face, we can experience and celebrate a God who says, when you're rooted in me, when you're feeding on me, I will be faithful and good. You will see my favor and you will see fruitfulness, even if it doesn't make sense in the season you're in. Church, I need to tell you that Pathway is an example of that over the last couple of years. That through different challenges, both in the church, but also around the church, this church has been rooted and is continuing today to experience God's 
favor and peace and prosperity and fruitfulness. Can we just give him the glory for that? And, and I believe it's increasingly for us, but it's also for you. For you to realize when you're rooted in Christ, yeah, you may not have a week that you want, you may not have a situation you ask for, but you can still experience God's favor and his fruitfulness. Because ultimately, he's still in control. So he says, be rooted, and it's a perfect participle. You've received it. It's a part of your identity. He then goes on to say, and be built up, which is a present participle. This means that it's active. It's now. It's, you, there's, there's work involved in being built up. If you're rooted, that's the starting point. That's the foundation. But now we've got to be built up. And how we're built up? We're going to see, I'm going to read to you from Matthew uh, chapter 7. Jesus actually was pretty clear about how we're built up on a foundation. This is from the Sermon on the Mount. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 7 verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the what? On the rock. Oftentimes our reading of this ends there, or our understanding of it can end there. We see that Jesus is the rock, and, and we're built on that foundation, and, and we go, okay, that's how I weather a storm. That's how I get through things. And while that's truth, notice that Jesus takes it a little bit further. Here's what he says next. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who has built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Who hears these words of mine and does not do them. You see, what he's getting at here is the idea of hearing and obeying. Remember when you were a kid? And, you, and your parents would be like, you know, I, I have this situation now. I have four children, right? I, their apology is great, but I'd rather have their obedience. Anybody? <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Yes, you are for the 50th time. Like, it would be nice to back up and to just do it right the first time, right? And, and, and this in so many ways is how some of us, because again, growth and maturity isn't, you can age, but you're not necessarily growing and maturing. Oh, church. <laughs> I'll leave that alone. I, I think it's said enough right there, right? It, it's actually our obedience. And, and so what Jesus is getting at here is, listen, you're building on a firm foundation. When you actually obey and hear, that's part of your being built up. So, so what God is showing you to do next, that next step that we often talk about here, that's critical to you being built up. And if you haven't taken a next step of obedience with the Lord recently, you might be stuck. You might be alive, but not growing in the ways that the Lord wants or has for you. And that's part of how God renews our walk with him, is we begin to say, okay, God, I want to be not just rooted, I want to be built up. So Lord, what is it that you want me to be obedient with? What do I need to hear and apply? Now, as he says this to them, you can picture probably for them and even for us, that the question is, well, what is the result? 
And he, he gives it right here at the end of verse 7. If we're rooted and built up, it says, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. That actually it's this abounding in thanksgiving. Another translation will say overflowing with thanksgiving. You see, when you're rooted in Christ, you're being built up in the good news and obeying him, you can't help but overflow with thanksgiving to those around you. So, our witness, how people hear and see the good news through our life, makes a difference. There are people around you every day that are wondering, is Jesus really that good? And if we're rooted and built up, if we're alive and growing, we can't help but share that good news out of a heart of thanksgiving. So are you overflowing with thanksgiving in all of your life? Not just on Sunday morning in worship, but at work or at the community center or at the fitness center or when you serve or when you get cut off in traffic here in Vero. Like, are you overflowing with thanksgiving in all of life? Because what Paul is trying to help them see is, listen, you're surrounded by a hostile world and culture, but if you're rooted and built up and overflowing with thanksgiving, you're going to be alive and growing and making a difference. And this is critical to our witness in the world and what God wants to do. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said this about our witness. This is, again, getting back to who we are as a people. He says, we need to pledge ourselves anew to the cause of Christ. We must capture the spirit of the early church. Wherever the early Christians went, they made a triumphant witness for Christ. Come on, church. Whether on the village streets or in the city jails, by the way, Paul is writing this letter in Colossians from jail. They daringly proclaim the good news of the gospel. Church, my prayer and hope is that God comes so alive within us and that we're growing with him in ways that when we leave here together to go be the church, that people see the difference and that we are shouting and proclaiming how great and good our God is. He wants to use us. He wants to use us to see transformation in our church and in our community and in our world. But again, we are surrounded by a lot of things that are hostile to that and get in the way of that. Let me read on here in verse 8 through 19. See to it then, that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him you are also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ." Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made what? Alive. Say it with me. Alive. He made us alive together with him 
having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow, say shadow. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up with reason by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head. Check this out. When we hold fast to the head, when we hold fast to Jesus, when we put Jesus first, it says, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that amazing? I mean, this message from Paul, he's trying to help them understand. And in many ways, what he's doing is he's sounding the alarm. He's sounding the alarm. You remember there's an old movie and and there's a a scene in the car where he's like, hey, do you want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Anybody? Right? Can you hear it? Oh. I played that this morning, and of course my wife is like, get rid of that. Like, be done with that. It's the worst sounding alarm. But when an alarm is sounded, it does what? It wakes us up. It it wakes us up to realize what's going on around us. And what Paul just did there in those few verses is he gave us a wake-up call and some truth. And we're going to look at both here. Because we need to sound the alarm. First, Paul is saying to them that uh, don't let anyone kidnap you. In verse 8, he's sounding the alarm and he's saying, don't let anyone kidnap you. Don't let anyone take you hostage. Don't let anyone pull you away from the truth that Christ is enough and his fullness is enough. They were surrounded by people that were trying to add to the faith. That were saying that Jesus isn't enough. You need to do this and this and this. Anyone else ever been been around religion? To the point where you were told that there were uh, traditions and things that that actually had to be done in order to be close to Jesus. You see, Jesus is the fullness. He's enough. And actually what he does is he steps into our lives in a way that we're not to be kidnapped by anything else. And they were being tempted to actually add things to their faith. He mentioned in there uh, how they worshipped. He mentioned in there what they ate or didn't eat. We don't want to let anyone to kidnap us. And you need to know, we live in a culture and in a world that's trying to kidnap our minds. Is trying to take us away from the things of God. You're not aware of that. This is your alarm. This is your wake-up call. Secondly, in verse 16, he says, don't let anyone condemn you. So part of what he's trying to help them see is, listen, you're going to have people that say, oh, no, you're, 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 you don't get it. You've got to add this. You've got to do this. And he's saying, no, don't let anyone condemn you. Christ has paid the price that we are no longer under condemnation or guilt or shame. Don't let anyone condemn you. And then verse 18, don't let anyone disqualify you. Don't you love that none of us are qualified? <laughs> like, just, just own that for a minute. Like, I, I'm up front, 
speaking and preaching, and you've been listening to me for about 25 minutes, right? 20 minutes maybe. And I'm not qualified. But I am. Right? What he's saying is don't let anyone disqualify you because we all are sinners in need of a Savior. None of us are good enough. But once we found Jesus, nobody can disqualify us. Because he's now qualified us. He's now raised us up to be who we were created to be. This is amazing to think about. So some of us are fighting these things right now in culture or in your own home or family. And maybe it's a word to you to be reminded as Paul goes on of who we are in Christ. Of not just who we are, but what he has for us. Because we have all that we need in Christ. And I use that term probably almost as much today as Paul used it in the book of Colossians. He actually uses in these four short chapters the word in Christ 15 times. Because in so many ways he wants them to understand that, listen, you you aren't about a religion anymore. You're in a relationship with Christ. And in Christ, things change. In Christ, you have what you need In Christ, when you put him first, everything else begins to fall in place. We need to put him first. I want to just encourage you one more time. You've already been encouraged today to join our Seek First Fast this coming week. I want to encourage you one more time to do that. To sign up and say, hey, even if I missed the first 14 days, or even if I fell on again and off again, I've got seven days in front of me where I can put him first. Sign up for the devotional. Be a part of it. Because look at what happens next and what Paul is getting at. He says, in Christ, we have all that we need for fullness. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. There is a hostile world that, yes, has spiritual forces of wickedness and darkness, and yes, we are in a battle. But what he is saying here is, listen, in Christ, he has put the hope of glory inside of you, the fullness of who Jesus is. You know what often gets in the way of that fullness and God's power and God's authority? I'll just say it for me, it's my flesh. And my guess is it is true for you too. And I could preach that message next if you wanted. Our flesh really does tend to get in the way of the fullness that God has for us. But this is what Paul is trying to help them wrap their heads around is, listen, you have the fullness of God in you, dwelling in you, all of his authority, all of his power. There is nothing that can come against us that we can't somehow, with God's help, see our way through. He sees us through Because his fullness is with us. This is why I want to be clear. We don't fast to add something to our life that's missing. We fast to remove things from our life so we can receive the fullness that we already have. The fast helps deal with our flesh so the fullness of God can begin to take over. That was deep, y'all. I don't know if you're getting it. So the fullness is there. Verse 11 and 12. Not just in Christ is there fullness, 
but there's fellowship. Here's what he says. Verse 11 and 12. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, you were, which also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Yes, that is the same circumcision and same word, and, and they were being taught that you had to, to be circumcised again if you hadn't been. That it was necessary. And Paul's saying, no, listen, your baptism into Christ, you have the fullness, you now have fellowship, there is nothing, there are no barriers, there's nothing else needed to be done. This is why the early church was so, you would see them experience repentance and baptism. People understood that, okay, we're coming to Jesus. We've repented, we're going a new way, we're alive and growing, baptism is a part of the gig, part of the deal. And that's why we get so excited. We've baptized by God's grace in less than a year over 50 people here. That is an amazing thing. And we want to encourage you to be a part of that, to think about, have you been baptized as a confessing youth or adult that, that knows what they're doing, that's saying yes? Because that fellowship, he's saying that in that baptism, you're outwardly witnessing to what God has done inside of you. That you're now in a relationship with Jesus and your life is about following him. And it's amazing to think about that the God of the universe, the God we sang about earlier, the God that we worship that's created it all, wants fellowship with you and I. It's humbling. And not only does he want fellowship with you and I, but he wants to give us fellowship with one another. That, that maybe you don't have the best earthly family. If they're here right now, do not look at them. Do not elbow them. Do not even look. Don't do it. You want to have a good lunch. But we all have a little dysfunction at times in our families. And what Jesus invites us into is a fellowship with him and a fellowship with new brothers and sisters. He's writing, again, not to an individual, but to a church in Colossae. A group of people that are beginning to understand who he is, that they have the fullness of him and fellowship with him and one another. And then he goes on this last part. He says, in Christ you have freedom. He says, in you who were dead in your trespasses, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its illegal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Y'all, this is one of my favorite verses in all scripture. Okay? I, I played linebacker. You talk about nailing something to a cross, like hitting something, nailing, like, like I'm in, right? Too much? <laughs> I, I can remember reading this as a college student that had just come alive in my faith. And there was a part of me that was like, that's it, yes! He nailed all of my junk, all of my sin, all of that stuff, he nailed it to the cross. That is not an act of passivity, that is assertiveness. That's Jesus taking authority over things that the enemy meant to hold me down and nailing it to the cross and saying it's over, it's done, I've canceled this record of his wrong, I've paid the price for what Brian Bennett did. Church, this is for each of us that he's nailed it to the cross. 
And he goes on and he says he disarmed the rulers and authorities and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. And as I was praying this message through, I cannot shake that not only is it the fullness of Christ and the fellowship with Christ, but it is this freedom that Jesus offers us. That this freedom is to look at your life and to realize the things that the enemy has been using. Because let's be honest, when it says there at the end of verse 15, he put them to open shame. So let me just drill it down on this for a minute. We live in a world that often is trying to shame, guilt, and manipulate us. Because we live in a world that there is a temporary power given to Satan. It's under Jesus' authority, but there's a temporary power. He's out to steal, kill, and destroy, and to manipulate. He's the father of lies. And that father of lies often will use things to try to hold us down and hold us back. He will use guilt. He will use shame. He will use condemnation. There are things that have been maybe hanging on to some of us for decades. And the scripture like this shows us That no, nobody can pin something against you anymore if Christ nailed it to the cross. That nobody can hold it against you if Christ has died for that and nailed it to the cross. That nobody should be held back or held in chains or bondage if Christ has nailed it to the cross and offers freedom. Romans 8.1, if you're wondering if, if this is in other places in the Bible, says this. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation, no shame, no guilt, no manipulation, no fear. You know what there is? There's a love. There's a love from Jesus that says, I love you so much that I've paid the price. I've nailed your sins to the cross. Do not be ashamed any longer. Come freely to me. Come freely to me and lay it down. Scripture teaches us that he is faithful and just in 1 John 1, 9 to forgive our sins. And there are some things I believe today that Jesus wants to set you free from. There's some things today that he's saying, listen, I've got fullness for you. I've got fellowship for you. I've got freedom for you. I want to set you free but you need to believe the gospel again. You need to believe who you are rooted in him. You need to begin to obey him and take whatever next step he is showing you. Because whatever that thing is that the enemy has been trying to pin to you, you need to lay it at the foot of the cross today. You need to lay it down and say, Jesus, it's yours. You nailed this to the cross. Forgive me for holding on. Forgive me for coming back to it. Forgive me for revisiting this and not believing by faith that you could set me free. As I prayed, I felt like this was going to be a moment of freedom and deliverance for many of us. That God's inviting us further into what it means that something that maybe the enemy has tried to use to keep you from being alive and growing, to keep you from going to the next place, Jesus is saying, lay it down. Lay it down today. I'm here. I'm ready. I'm available. So three questions that I want to ask you to close here as you consider this. The first is, are you alive and growing in your walk with Christ? Maybe for you, today's the day where it's starting to make sense. You're starting to realize 
that a relationship with Jesus is the starting point to be alive and growing. If that's you, whether you're online or in person, we want to talk with you. We want to pray with you. We have prayer partners here in person and a chat host online. We would love to connect with you and help you enter into that. For some of you, you've got the relationship, but God's saying it's time for renewal. It's time for you to recommit to me. Secondly, are there any areas of compromise that you need to confess? Are there any areas where you've allowed the world or allowed the things around you to take over and Jesus is saying, bring it to the cross, I've nailed it to the cross, let it go. Are there any areas you need to confess today to find freedom, to find his fullness, to be alive and growing? And the church, will we seek first in 2022 and walk by faith into his best. Because when we consider his next steps, it's always his best. He loves us, and he has more for us. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to pray over us, and then we're going to go into a response time that we've been doing over the last few weeks that just creates a lot of space for each of us to respond however the Lord's leading. I'll explain that to you in a minute. But right now, I just want to pray over us. I want to pray that our hearts would be open, and that we would say yes to whatever he's showing us. Father, we love you, and we praise you. We thank you for your word, which is alive and active. We thank you that there is freedom found in the fullness of fellowship with you. We thank you that we no longer have to carry our shame and our guilt, that you've nailed it to the cross, all of our sins. By the blood of Jesus, we are covered. We are new. Father, I just pray that we would receive the fullness of who you are today, that somehow it would get into our head and our hearts in a new way, that Jesus, you would connect that 18 inches between our head and our heart, that we would come alive in you and follow you in new ways in 2022. And Jesus, as we look to you, I pray that you would move mightily through this response time. We just continue to invite the fullness of who you are and your presence into our midst. Thank you for a church that is alive and growing. We give you all the glory and honor for what you are doing here. And I pray that as we connect with you and connect with each other, that we would be the church you've called us to be. May we love you and love all people in our pathway. May we be the church that Jesus, you've designed us to be. And may we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. 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 So right now, we've been finishing services a little, bit, uh, a little bit earlier intentionally to give some time for prayer and response. On the screen, uh, we're going to put up three options uh, to be the church. The early church did this. They would hear the word, they would sing, and then they would pray together. And so what we're going to do is encourage you to pray in a group of four to eight. Form a circle, pray for each other, pray for pathway, popcorn prayer, you know, pop, 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 pop. Uh, somebody, it was really funny, he had a rough lunch a couple weeks ago, a uh, husband came out after church, he said, My, we got Jiffy Pop here, and he pointed to his wife, and because uh, she had uh, prayed too long, um, okay, I, I, I kind of listened and laughed and went, oh, your lunch just changed, um, the point being, give each other room to pray if you're in a circle, okay? Second option, pray individually right where you're at. 
Third is you could come forward, come forward to the altars or the kneeling benches. Online, our chat host is dropping a digital link. We have a chat room, a virtual room set up uh, for you to go to the link and pray together online. Uh, I was a part of that last week, and it was really neat to be a part of. So uh, if anybody needs specific prayer, again, you can come forward. But this is a time to pray together and to be the church. Um, as we do this, uh, and as you feel released to leave, if you're a guest and this is weirding you out right now, uh, that is okay. We love you. We're so glad you're here. You are welcome to go uh, right when I finish, uh, or you could stay and be a part of it. Now, as you go, if you're a guest, if you come out to our Welcome Center, we have a gift for you. All of our women, you need to know in the cafe, we have uh, information on the women's study and people ready to connect with you out there, and uh, that is all available as well. If you're a parent, pick up your kids by 1030. Amen? All right, let's pray together. Be the church. Have a great week.